everyone. Good morning and welcome to First Things First. I'm Jenna Wolf alongside Nick Wright, Kevin Wilds, and Greg Jennings. Coming up this morning, did the Panthers disrespect Cam? What really motivated Tom Brady now that he's in Tampa Bay? And wait till you hear where Antonio Brown thinks he'd be a good fit next season. It's Friday morning, but we're going to start with a little Carolina on our mind today. What was once Cam Newton's team is now Teddy Bridgewater's team. Cam released from the team after nine seasons, after a Super Bowl appearance, after a league MVP. A not-so-pleased Cam taking to Instagram to say, quote, they gave up on me. Nick, I'll start with you. What do you make of the way the Panthers handled releasing Cam Newton? Everything about it, since Cam Newton suffered his Liz Frank fracture to when he was released a couple days ago, was the height of disrespect and as disrespectful as I've seen a star player, a franchise icon, treated in recent sports history in any sport. It wasn't just during the season, the Panthers allowing the nonsense to be propagated that even if Cam's healthy, maybe Kyle Allen's the better option. But then after the season, the yo-yoing of, oh, Cam's our quarterback, we're not going to trade him. Maybe we will trade him. No, we're not going to release him. And then they do release him. But then all of those things are just emotional damage. The real issue, Kevin, is when they cut him. Once you realize immediately you don't have a trade partner, then one is probably not going to come into fruition. And they didn't do Cam the service. The Colts, once upon a time, did Peyton Manning, cutting him on March 7th, giving him the full runway to free agency, So a team like, in Cam's case, maybe the Colts would have signed him instead of Phillip Rivers. Maybe there would have been other teams who still had money available in free agency to sign him. Instead, they cut him after free agency. And Wild, the best player in the history of their franchise, is left scrambling looking for a team. I don't know who who Cam did wrong, but he must have done someone wrong, Kevin, because they treated him terribly. So, so, Nick, I'm going to throw it right back to you. Do you think this was because they just wanted to be mean to Cam, or do you think it was organizational incompetence? Yeah, I think it was organizational incompetence and that there wasn't someone. Dave Tepper is new. Dave, uh, Matt Rule is new. There wasn't someone at a high level within the franchise to say, guys, he's the best player that's ever worn a Panthers uniform. We cannot do him like this. And Cam... Tried to be a good guy as he's been throughout his career, Jenna. Tried not to create any controversy. And he ends up being left holding the bag, scrambling for a team. Greg, I'm curious from a player's, a former player's perspective. If you're on a team and Cam is your quarterback and you see the way the team treats Cam, a former league MVP, letting him go, how does that sit with you? How does that sit with the locker room? Well, it doesn't sit well within the locker room. What it does is... It brings to surface what everyone thinks about NFL executives and organizations and how they treat players, which is there is no loyalty. It does not matter who you are, what position you hold. When you see it happen to players like Brett Favre, uh, Peyton Manning, in most recent years, we saw With the Raiders, anytime there's a regime change, a head coach change that uh, they give power to, and obviously John Gruden has a lot of power over there in Oakland, 
Khalil Mack. It was a shock. And as players, it's almost as if you want to be shocked, but then you come to your senses and you say, well, this is the reality that we live in that no one tends to really identify with. And they look at us as the bad guys when we want to solidify our financial futures when it comes to guaranteed contracts. And so look at look at Josh Rosen, first round draft pick with the Arizona Cardinals. They switch out head coaches, GM, and, and they're like, well, Josh, the new regime doesn't really care for you. So we're going to draft another first round draft pick. It happens over and over every single year. And players are getting to the point to where they don't have to be loyal to these teams and they they should not even consider being loyal to these teams because not a single team is going to be loyal to players. All right, Nick, if there's no team loyalty, then let me ask you this. Should Cam even feel disrespected if, as Greg mentioned, this is sort of the way it goes in the NFL now? Oh, of course he should feel disrespected, and it doesn't have to be this way in the NFL. And for the smarter, better-run organizations, even if, they have no emotional attachment, or even if they don't feel any obligation or loyalty, it is in their best interest to treat their franchise icons well on the way out the door because other players around the league see it. Guys, when they are deciding to sign or re-sign with Carolina, they see what happened with Cam. To mix sports for a moment, it, people talked a lot about the contract the Lakers gave the late, great Kobe Bryant at the end of the deal, at the end of his career, pardon me, that it wasn't a great contract for their ability to compete right then and there. But it was a great contract for the Lakers signaling to all the superstars across the NBA, you come here, we will treat you like royalty, and we'll pay you a little extra on the back end. If I'm anyone in the future considering the Carolina Panthers, or if I'm a superstar in the future uh, coming out of college that could be drafted by Carolina, do I trust them that they are going to appreciate me? And do I trust that I want to put my, my career in their hands? So it's not only that I think it's poor form, that they could have given Cam the, his proper send-off more than a tweet, but it's also something I think will work against their ability to compete for championships in the future. Kevin, hop in here. You think Cam should feel disrespected? Well, I think he should feel disrespected, but I, I hope that that respect will come when the market opens up for him because I think there should be 31 teams that want Cam Newton. So listen, there's an idea here called uh, think like an insurgent. It's a business strategy where you make your decisions based on what you don't want to happen to you. So if we had a coffee shop... Uh, we're like, should we sell donuts? Well, I hope the other guy doesn't start selling donuts because that would they would have donuts, they would take our business. So I'm starting the assistant GM challenge. Like we have the push-up challenge. This is called the assistant GM challenge. Here's all where here's how it works to all the assistant GMs out there that are watching watching the show. You know what? And thanks for calling in. We appreciate your feedback. First step of the assistant GM challenge. One, text your GM saying, Wow, interesting news. Step two. Send a Zoom invite to your GM. Step three, record the video. Step four, tell them Cam is headed to your division rival. Step five, record the horror, horror and cold sweat that they break out in. And then share it on social media and tag your assistant GM friends. 
from that will prove how much people should want Cam. Because if he goes to your division rival, you're going to lose your minds. Assistant GM challenge. Okay. Well, that's something for them to do today, just in case they didn't have anything else on their schedule. Uh, so, okay. So, yes. meanwhile, all that aside, Cam Newton is left w without a plan or a place to go right now. Nick, where do you want to see Cam land? Well, I think the Chargers, for all the reasons they worked for Brady, they would work for him. The Dolphins could also work as well. I'll elaborate on that in a moment. But to jump off Kevin's point, and I don't say this often, Wilds got it exactly right. And this oh is something where teams can't, where <laughs> far, not often enough do teams within the game or within an offseason ask themselves, what is my opponent hoping I do, and then do the opposite. I talk about this on fourth and goals from the one-yard line all the time. Should you go for it? Well, your opposition is praying you kick a field goal, so don't do what they want you to do. I'm a Chiefs fan, as evidenced by everything behind me. If I got the text alert that the Chargers have signed Cam Newton, I am devastated. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. They, really? They're going from Tyrod Taylor to Cam? They're going from Phillip Rivers and his 20 interceptions to Cam. So if it would make the Chiefs upset, then the Chargers should do it. Wild, you're a Patriot fan. If you got the news the Miami Dolphins had signed Cam Newton, you would be totally bummed out. So, Jenna, to answer your question, those are two teams that need a quarterback, even if Miami's going to draft one. If they draft two, he probably needs a year. And it, it checks Wild's boxes, the assistant GM challenge of, it would really bum out everyone who you're competing with if you added Cam Newton. But, Jenna, those are the two teams, Chargers and Dolphins, that I think make the most sense. Greg, where do you want to see Cam land? Uh, yesterday I mentioned the Denver Broncos. They have a young quarterback. Obviously, they drafted Drew Locke in the second round. Um, and Driscoll, they uh, just Driscoll um, to back him up. But I think Cam would be a great fit in Denver. I think Cam would be a really good fit in, with the Miami Dolphins. However, they have their eyes set on potentially getting uh, to a tongue of Iowa. So you don't know how realistic that is. And so with those being that being the case, the Chargers are left out there and they could potentially move up in the draft and try to grab Tua as well. And then the New England Patriots. The New go. England Patriots is probably where Cam Newton will end up. Why? Because of everything that Kevin just said and Nick just said. Bill Belichick thinks about what about other teams? What aren't they doing? What can I do to make us better that other teams will dread? He's always done it. And he's always out in front of the eight ball. And then we always look at the New England Patriots and wonder, why are they always back in the, in the AFC championship game in another Super Bowl representing the AFC? It's because they're led by someone who is a forward thinker. He's not, he's not moved by what it may look like or what it may feel like to others. He's like, look, this is going to make us better right now. We can take advantage of it. Let's jump all over it. New England Patriots is probably, I'm saying, nope, I'm not going to even say probably. That's where Cam Newton will end up. Stresses Nick this out, but Wilds is one happy man right now. Go. No, you know what it is? YouTube videos I like to watch. 
It's it's called uh, when rappers hear beats and, and it's the first time they hear a beat that they absolutely love and you know is going to be a big hit. That is just what happened to Greg Jennings and me. Greg Jennings played Pharrell <laughs> and I played Jay-Z there. It's like, oh, that's a, that's a big hit. I just loved it. Greg, that was fantastic. Thank you very much. That was just wonderful. Oh, that was the best segment we've uh, ever done. We've ever done on this show. I hate every part stuff of it. I'm every part of it. Quite hyperbolic, Waz. <laughs> Have you ever had muscle pain? I'm talking stop you and your tracks will never work out again. What am I going to do kind of pain? This is the kind of pain Dr. Jason Worsland was in when he created Theragun, the deep muscle massager that's unlike anything you've ever felt. Theragun isn't a cheap massager that just tickles your muscles. Their handheld percussive device uses a scientifically calibrated combination of speed, depth, and power to release the deepest muscle tension. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just everyday life, you can use Theragun. Theragun is the preferred muscle recovery device for over 250 professional sports teams and used by hundreds of thousands of satisfied customers around the world to reduce pain, increase range of motion, and soothe aching muscles. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com cadence. For a limited time, our listeners get a free charging stand with a purchase, a $79 value. That that's theragun.com slash cadence, theragun.com slash cadence. Back here in First Things First, time for a little drawing of blank. Here we go, let's play. NFL.com released their top 10 rivalries in 2020 with the Chiefs-Ravens matchup at the top of the list. It got us thinking. Nick, the Mahomes-Lamar matchup this season will be blank. Well, I don't know if I can call it a rivalry yet because Lamar's, of course, never beaten Patrick going to against him in his career. But it is the game of the year in the NFL and potentially one of the most important singular regular season games in recent history. Why can I say that? New playoff format. Only one team per conference gets a bye. The one seed has never mattered more. These are clearly the two best teams in the AFC. The winner of this game gets the tiebreaker, likely the inside track to the all-important one seed under the new playoff format. So I say, Greg Jennings, it's the game of the year. And I say colossal for that last reason you gave. There is only one team in each conference, that, as you alluded to, that gets the bye. And so these are the better teams in the AFC. I think the, one of these teams will get that bye because of what we've seen in their past. So I like the word colossal. Best two quarterbacks in the AFC now with Deshaun, throw Deshaun Watson in there. You, you don't get any bigger than this game. Jenna, I'm going with Bears dependent because I do agree that this is the game of the year. But if the Bears could sign Cam Newton, when Chicago had to go into Carolina, Cam would come in breathing literal fire, scorch the field, and that would be my game of the year. So in, unless that happens, this is still the game of the year. But otherwise, Cam back to Carolina game of the year. Good stuff, Wow. All right, let's move on and talk some New England Patriots. And the recent report that the Pats sniffed around on former Panthers quarterback Kyle Allen before he was shipped off to Washington. So, Nick, the Patriots sniffing around Kyle Allen means blank. 
nothing. Kyle Allen is what he is, a guy who bounced around a bunch of colleges, a guy who's going to bounce around a lot of NFL teams, never be a meaningful starter. Those, those numbers that we're showing for Kyle Allen look mediocre. They look even worse when you remember the first game he ever played, he had four touchdowns, no picks. That means the rest of the year, 13 touchdowns, 16 picks, showed you why he was who he was coming out of school. It means nothing. It means the Patriots were maybe looking for a third-string quarterback, Greg Jennings. No, I think it means everything. I think they're investigating. They're investigating every option. And it's not just about Kyle Allen here. It's about what can they get at their price point that they feel like they can turn into something special, which is why now with Cam Newton being available, they're going to make something special happen because it's all about winning championships in New England and Cam Newton is going to be on the prowl to get back at his former team. Yeah, this means that my tattoo guy is just getting more and more upset with me. I have a full back tattoo, the history of the Patriots in my lifetime. I had starting with Steve Grogan, and it goes all the way up to Tom Brady. I called my guy. I was like, hey, it looks like it's going to be a Stidham thing. I heard this news. I had to call him back. I, I said, uh, I said his, his name's Dino. I said, Dino. We got to hold off on the tattoo of Jared of uh, Jared Stidham. I'm hearing this other news, and he's super frustrated. I lost my appointment, so I, I don't know what's going on. I'm holding out hope for the cam tattoo, but we're going to see. But he's really upset with me, Jen. It's not a good time around the Wilds house. Such not a disappointing visual. The back tattoo. With the <laughs> no, it's all, all right, Wilds, thanks. On to the NFL draft. Terrible visual. Ah. Uh, the draft now, where Tua Tungvaloa got some help from former Alabama running back Mark Ingram, who said Tua, quote, will be a star, but durability is a concern. So, Nick, Tua's future in the NFL looks blank. I'll answer that question in just one moment, Jenna, but I have to, I want to explain for the audience because I've seen Wild's tattoo. <laughs> it's all names. You see Bledsoe, you see Grogan. It, but then when it gets to Brady, it's it's odd how it happened. It's right in the small of his lower back, and it's Brady's face. It's weird. And then it's just other names. All right, now to the answer to your question. The, wait, 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 wait. Should I ask why you were up and close and personal right. with Kevin Wilde's back? Or let's just move on. Just go. Just go. Sorry. Oh, we get dressed for the show. We, we share a dressing room. We get dressed in the, for the show in the same room. We go on vacation. So we go on vacation. Peels off his, it's like LeBron his, you know, and Dwayne Wade on vacation. Tom Brady undershirt. Banana boat. Only to show off a Tom Brady tattoo. But now, to get, stay locked in on topic, take, 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 take. Tua Tungavailoa's NFL future looks Hall of Fame-ish. I know it's an over, it seems like an overstatement. If he's healthy, he's a superstar. And I'm rooting for health. I'm rooting for him. I think he's going to turn into one of the two greatest left-handed quarterbacks we've ever seen in the history of the league. Tua Tagovailoa, Hall of Fame-ish. That's my answer. I'm going with Radiant. Uh, I would say bright, but that just doesn't seem like it would be light enough. Radiant, he's beaming. Everything around him will be uplifted. Uh, he will give any team that he walks through that door a facelift and a fresh of breath air at the quarterback position, a position of leadership. He exemplifies all A-pluses across the board when you check the boxes of what you want your franchise quarterback and player to look like and to be as a leader. Love it. Radiant. So I love Tua, and I want him to succeed. And I hate to rain on everybody's parade, 
But I think his stock is going to plummet, plummet, plummet. Like we saw with Daniel Jones. Like, why did you guys draft Daniel Jones? Like, we love Daniel Jones. We spent so much time with him. We decided to take him this high in the draft. The opposite thing is happening with Tua. No one's going to spend any time with him, and teams are going to be afraid to to pick him to take him that high. So I think my word, but I put like my favorite TV show is Antiques Roadshow, where these grandmothers come in. They're like, oh, I found this in my attic. I don't know what it is. It's like, you know what you have there? You have a franchise quarterback that nobody was paying attention to that you got in the bottom of the first round. Congratulations. Long bridge like, you oh, my gosh. It's I did a long realize bridge this. to build there. <laughs> that works. It's a great uh, show. That whole analogy worked. That whole thing uh-huh. worked. Hey, I, I'm worried about his durability. I'm worried about those injuries and durability. I'm kind of with you, Wilds. All right, let's move on to Antonio Thank Brown you. now. Thank you. When AB was asked on Instagram if he was going to Baltimore, he replied that teaming up with Lamar and his cousin Hollywood Brown would be a, quote, scary sight. So, Nick, Antonio Brown on the Ravens would be blank. Terrifying. As as much as I have just had a visceral dislike for all of Wilde's answers in this segment, in the previous segment, his assistant GM test was spot on. And I, this, again, as a Chiefs fan, if I hear Antonio Brown's on the Ravens, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Let's be honest about Lamar, where Lamar has not yet proven he's a top-flight quarterback or deep outside the hashes passing. But where he is as good as just about anybody is that intermediate stuff where instead of throwing to one of your tight ends, Mark Andrews, you'd be throwing to one of the best slot receivers we've ever seen in the NFL. Antonio Brown can take one of those intermediate passes and go 70 yards as someone who's root, who roots against the best team in the conference if the second or roots for the best team in the conference. If the second best team in the conference got Antonio Brown, it'd be terrifying. That's my answer. Yeah, I'm going with detrimental. And the reason why I'm totally, I would totally oppose this simply because when you have a team that has the rapport with one another and kind of the relationship that we've seen shown on our television screens, uh, on the field, they enjoy being around one another. Why? Because they're all unselfish. And that does not ring Antonio Brown. And so I just don't think it would work it, would it be exciting if it did work? Of course, but no, I think it would be detrimental because they're on both, they're on two sides here. One is unselfish, one is thinking about only themselves. I agree with Greg. I put uh, that this would be proof of the multiverse, so you can call up Elon Musk and say the multiverse is real because we would be living in the universe where Antonio Brown was making right decisions. It could, uh, you know, be on the right path, which I don't think we're on right now. I agree with Wilds and Greg. Team chemistry means too much. All right, let's get back to the Patriots now. They may have lost Tom Brady, but Bill Belichick did earn an Emmy nomination yesterday for his NFL 100 show. So it all kind of evens out in the end. Uh, Nick, Bill Belichick's Emmy nomination is blank. Embarrassing. It's embarrassing to the people well, who do break. the nominating. It's embarrassing for the other people involved. This is a guy who has made no bones about the fact he thinks the media is useless. He has no respect for the profession. And I'm not Mr. Defend the Media guy, but nominating Bill Belichick 
for a sports Emmy. How does this happen? And if you're Al Leiter, who has been committed to his work on MLB Network, Jay Billis, who's been one of the best in the field for 20 years, Barkley, who's maybe the best to ever do it, the other guys who are nominated, how do you feel that a guy who thinks the media is a joke, something to, you know, to feed him dirt and watch him, uh, you know, fall in the corner, to have that, uh, that's his mentality. He, he could potentially beat, win a sports Emmy. It's ridiculous. And the people who nominated him, yeah, I, I, what the hell are you thinking, guys? I, it, it's offensive to the profession. That's why my word is confusing. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. A guy who, and, and great coach. We all understand that. But when it comes to media, he it's like pulling teeth to get him to put a sentence together. Like, it, it, it's it's something that we never really see him do. And I think that is possibly why he's even being considered for this. Nom- he's been nominated because, man, he put sentences together and he actually sounded pretty okay. good and he talked very thorough. So I, I just I'm confused by it because it's a one off. And it's I mean, almost any coach could have went out there and done that. Oh, Greg, Greg. Take Greg's earbuds off right now. Greg, that is insane. Anyone coach could do it. Here's the truth. That series Top 100? was amazing. Amazing. That co- that series was tremendous. I think I put my word in there as uh, Ed, read it, and, re- and weep. Here's why. The, the particular episode with Ed, Reed and Belichick, when Belichick is talking about a specific play that Ed, Reed made against Peyton Manning is a... Plus, plus television. Sports television does not get any better than that. And I was watching that clip. I was like, you know what's going to happen? Bill Belichick is going to offer Ed Reed a job on the Patriots. Mark my words, this will happen. And I saw it the first time when they were sitting around that desk. Bill Belichick's going to win. It's a fantastic show. Nick, that's your worst take I've ever heard. I'm I'm being honest with you. That's the worst take (laughs) I've ever heard. Have you ever had muscle pain? I'm talking stop you and your tracks will never work out again. What am I going to do kind of pain? This is the kind of pain Dr. Jason Wersland was in when he created Theragun, the deep muscle massager that's unlike anything you've ever felt. Theragun isn't a cheap massager that just tickles your muscles. Their handheld percussive device uses a scientifically calibrated combination of speed, depth, and power to release the deepest muscle tension. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just everyday life, you can use Theragun. Theragun is the preferred muscle recovery device for over 250 professional sports teams and used by hundreds of thousands of satisfied customers around the world to reduce pain, increase range of motion, and soothe aching muscles. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com cadence. For a limited time, our listeners get a free charging stand with a purchase, a $79 value. That's theragun.com slash cadence, theragun.com slash cadence. Back here, first things first, talking some Tom Brady now. The soon-to-be 43-year-old talked about what will motivate him heading into his first season with the Bucks. He said, quote, I'm always motivated to do the best I can do for many reasons. The main motivation I have is the love of the sport and that I want to continue to do something I love to do. It is not any more difficult than that. Wilds, what was your reaction 
when you read that? Well, a lot of people think that Tom Brady wants to prove people wrong and that it's his, it's his main motivation. That's not true. Proving people wrong is the five-hour energy of motivation. It's great, but it doesn't last that long. You got to have love of the game, and that's what he's doing. I'll tell you a quick story about Herm Edwards. We were in Bristol. We were talking about a famous football player, famous football player. And I said, oh, what do you think, coach? He's like, he doesn't love the game. I said, what? He goes, he doesn't love the game. So what do you mean? He goes, Wilds, some people love football. Some people love what football can do for them. He's like, I'm a guy who loves football. I was like, wow. And it, and it re kind of gave me a new vision of, of looking at people's motivations. And I think Tom Brady is in the category of a guy who just loves football, Nick. He obviously loves football and his dedication to his body, his health, his craft, the fact that he's still working with the quarterback coach for the last 20 years, despite all his accolades, speaks to his love of the game. But it's ahistorical to act like whether it was 20 years ago or 20 months ago or 20 days ago that Brady is not also very motivated by naysayers. We have seen the videos Brady has posted on Instagram where it was the lion getting ready to patrol his jungle. We have seen the videos of Julian Edelman screaming at him on the sidelines saying, you're too old. You're, the, the, nobody believes in us Patriots. Remember that lovable bunch of, team, bunch of kids that won six Super Bowls yeah, and went to nine of them? So Brady, yeah. from being 199th pick of the draft, to all, you know, that old combine video that people still play. And now with Bill Belichick, Jenna, the greatest coach ever saying, I don't want you anymore. Well, he might not want to admit it, Jenna, but that is obviously part of his motivation for this phase of his career. That competitive juice is woven into his DNA. You're right. He may not admit it, but there is a part of him, you know, is motivated to show Bill Belichick. He still has a ton left in the tank. Greg, I want to ask you this. Uh, according to Fox Bet, Tom Brady is tied for ninth to be crowned MVP next season. Oh. You think he can still put together an MVP-type season in Tampa Bay? And Jenna, on, before I touch that question, I just got to say this. As a player who's played in this league, who's played at the highest level, you are definitely motivated by naysayers. And when people count you out or say what you're possibly not going to be able to do, just because they potentially haven't accomplished it. Yes, he loves the game, totally have to love the game to want to be playing this game, but you're motivated But when people tell you what you can't do. In terms of being an MVP, can he do that? Yes, I think his odds are really high. I think he has an opportunity to do something special because of the amount of talent that he has around him. You look at his receiver core, his weapons that he has at his disposal now is something of, to a liking that he hadn't had since Randy Moss and those guys that were alongside of him then. So I think he has an opportunity to do something special if he can just not turn the ball over, stand in the pocket, and endure a few hits. Nick, All are right. we going to so see Greg, MVP Brady next rationale. year? Well, by the, Greg's rationale, Wilds go ahead. I got to motivate Tom Brady as saying he can't be MVP. I'm going to say there's it's impossible for him to win the MVP. So he'll be motivated by saying the guy who loves me, he's got a full on back tattoo of me and saying I can't win it. So then he will win it. So now I'm playing sort of mental jujitsu with Tom Brady. So I do not think he has any chance to win the MVP. 
Although I do. No, he doesn't care what you're going to say, Wild. Oh, Frank! It's exactly real. Well, first of all, you might, Wilds, have a back tattoo of Tom Brady. But Greg, Greg, sorry, Jenna, but Greg nailed that. Well, Tom Brady, of course, is unaware of your existence entirely, despite the back tattoo. But can he win MVP? No. Come on, guys. This is unfair to Tom. Let me wrap. Let, let, let me let, let me try to be fair to Tom Brady here. He's 43 years old. If he simply oh. starts Jenna 16 games, it's the greatest season a 43-year-old quarterback's ever had. Forget the MVP. Get through the year healthy, Tom. It is now time for stories to start your morning. We're starting in Carolina where Teddy Bridgewater said taking over for Cam Newton will be a unique situation. Our friends over at Fox Bet agree, giving the Panthers the worst odds to win the NFC South. Nick, are people sleeping on Teddy in Carolina? No, this is they're rebuilding. If they're smart, they'll trade Christian McCaffrey because by the time they're ready to compete, he'll be on a very expensive second contract. These odds are exactly right as far as the order. I would have the Saints as more overwhelming favorites, Wilds. I'm sure you say the Bucks should be the favorite because they've got your godsend and the guy who you have a back tattoo of, Tom Brady. But this is exactly the way it should be. Saints, Bucks, uh, Falcons, uh, Panthers, with maybe you could argue the, the Falcons should be above the Bucks. What say you, Wilds? No, you know what? I'm still a Patriots fan, obviously, but then I saw this story, and I was like, why are the Bucks in second? And it's the first time I realized, like, I'm, I'm totally rooting for the Bucks. So I want the Bucks to be number one. But as far as Teddy Bridgewater goes, I think he's sort of a man on an island, unfortunately. Greg, what do you think? Yeah, this is exactly right. When you're going through a rebuilding process, uh, obviously, I don't, I'm not sure how much they disclosed of what they are going to be doing as far as personnel to Teddy Bridgewater before he uh, decided to sign on that dotted line. But this is going to be a tough year. He has some talent around him right now with DJ Moore and McCaffrey, but I don't know how long he'll have one of those guys. DJ Moore probably stick around, but yeah, this is this order is right. All right, let's move on. Pro Football Focus came out with their latest poll, asking fans on Twitter to build their dream receiving core with current NFL players. Greg, we'll start with you this time. What do you got? Yeah, so I got uh, Saquon Barkley at my running back. I got um, George Kittles at, at my tight end. And my two receivers, I got Michael Thomas and I got Julio Jones. And, and this re picking receivers, let me just explain how tough this is because I can interchange these two guys with Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins or whoever, but these two guys, in my opinion... Uh, with DeAndre Hopkins are just so prolific and consistent every single year. Saquon, obviously, we know what he's able to do. And George Kittle, in my opinion, I'm sorry. I'm not apologizing, Nick. He is the best tight end in all of football. Oh, oh boy. Nick, go ahead. I'm just going to pass the ball on to Nick. Which way are we going? This way? Nick? Go ahead. Yeah, the, listen, uh, Greg Jennings, I mean, what do you know about playing the, <laughs> we go. the receiver position? Uh, they, you, you got one right. Julio is correct. Oh. Everything else you got wrong. 
And <laughs> it's not only that you you left, you didn't include the right other receiver. You didn't even mention him in the honorable mentions. Julio should be one. Odell Beckham Jr. put some respect on his name. Oh. If he had Drew Brees the last few years, you don't think he could have done oh what Michael Thomas gosh. did? He should obviously yeah, be the Drew other Brees. receiver. The, the 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 running back the running back out of the backfield I think should be Christian McCaffrey but Saquon I I get and yeah you, it's like you wanted to pick the second best tight end we said receiving core so <laughs> Kelsey doesn't get any I'm sorry, uh, Kittle doesn't get any credit for that gritty blocking he does in helping the Niners run game. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. He was the best tight end in the Super Bowl. He was the best tight end in the playoff run. You know this, Greg Jennings. I feel like you did this just to get me fired up. But good job on Julio. You went one for four. Props to you. (laughs) Wilds, anything else before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I guess... For a while, I thought I missed the um, missed the tweet that Edelman retired. If we're talking best wide receivers, he's got the most <laughs> post, uh, playoff receiving yards. Should have just moved active. on. So Jenna. I was like, oh, did he retire? Oh, like, no, yeah. no. <laughs> I don't know. The playoffs matter. All right, let's move like on talk some basketball. For, so. Haven't done that yet this morning. Guys, a little basketball. Jason Tatum was asked to list his top five players of all time. Look who he went with. Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, Magic, Kareem, what do you notice about the list? Not a single Celtic among them. Wilds, I'll start with you. Did this surprise you at all? <laughs> no. I, it, what surprises me is the amount of um, lists that we're all making now that we're quarantined. Everyone just like, what? Are, what is there to do? Once you clean the house, you're like, I'm gonna make a list. So, look, it's a great, it's a great list. I have thought that Kareem is the best player of all time, but here's what you do. Did I just say that? That came out wrong, but I have me I have made that claim before. That he's the winningest player of all time. So here's what you do. For all Celtics out there, or for anybody who wants to avoid making lists, you just go like this. I can't make a top five because here's my top nine. And then you throw in, you know, Bill Russell, Larry Bird, and uh, who do you want in there? Probably Jason Tatum himself, Nick, to be honest with you. He's tier one. He's one of the greatest Celtics of all time. So don't be confined by the list. Make it bigger. Better for PR. The list is great. I love it. I love it simply because he's not locked in to where he is presently. And if Bird isn't on his list, so what? I don't think Bird is on many outside of in many people's lists outside of them being a Boston Celtic or Boston resident. So I I don't have a problem with it. You got Michael Jordan on the list, Magic Johnson. He has guys that are in almost arguably everyone's top five. So I don't have a problem with it because he's a Boston Celtic. Listen, Tatum almost got this exactly right. And Bird shouldn't be on it. Bird is obviously the ninth greatest player ever. And Kobe is close. Kobe's is one wrong one. And with all due respect, late great Kobe Bryant, he's the eighth greatest player ever. What he has right there is the best player ever, LeBron, the second best player ever, Jordan, the third best player ever, Kareem, and the fifth, fourth best player ever, Magic. So he got one through four, but he is missing a Celtic. Can, can these kids put some respect on Bill Russell's name, please? 11 titles in 13 years, 21 and 0 in winner take all games throughout his career, 21 and 0. Game sevens of the NBA finals. 
Does a 30.40 rebound effort do anything for you? What about a 25.32 rebound effort? What about a 22.35 rebound effort? Bill Russell's your fifth greatest player ever and your winningest player in any sport of all time. He should have been on the list. And then it gets a little more complex after that. Tim Duncan is right on the outside looking in. Oscar Robertson, do you want me to keep going? Akeem and Shaq, they're 12 and 13. Moses Malone's 14. Jerry West is 10. I just gave you the top 14 players of all time. 15's debatable, though. There's some people say Dirk. Some people say Wade. Some people say, what about Dr. J? Kevin Durant's okay, like, what about me? I'm going to jump in here because we'll you can go later. for hours. One so, Celtic you yeah, did forget, I, I, Danny Age. Didn't quite have the numbers, but childhood crush. Oh, let's Ainge. move on. We'll leave it at that. We're going to go Danny north Ainge. of the border now. Here we go. DeMar DeRozan. Don't leave out Danny, uh, uh, Danny Ainge. DeMar DeRozan came out and said that Kyle Lowry is the best Raptor of all time. Nick, this post, this offended you mightily because Kawhi. No, no, it didn't offend That's me at it. all. That's my question. This is exactly right. Kyle, Kyle Lowry is the best Raptor of all time. And while we're making lists, this is also unimpeachable. Kyle Lowry is the best Raptor of all time. Vince Carter is the second best Raptor of all time, even though it ended poorly. DeMar DeRozan, who holds all the franchise records but had a lot of really awful playoff moments, he's the third best Raptor of all time. And Chris Bosh is the fourth best Raptor of all time. And if we don't want to do a top four, we want to do a top five. I'm sick of people disrespecting Kawhi Leonard. He gets the fifth best Raptor of all time. His time there is very brief. They won more games the year without him. They went 17-5 and five the year he was there when he didn't play. But he was exceptional in the Eastern Conference semifinals, and people forget that. So Kawhi Leonard's fifth. But there's your list, Kevin Wilde. Do you think Siakam um, comes in at six, or do you think he sneaks into the top five eventually, Nick? Eventually. I, I think he, yes. I think he, he he will get on there eventually. Not there yet, though, Kevin. Okay. I'll buy that. I, I, I have Vince number one, Jenna, just because I think there's more value in, like, starting the franchise, being early in the nascent stages of the franchise, really putting all of not only like Toronto on the map, but like all of Canadian basketball sort of like seeding that and making that blow up. So Vince is my guy. Yes, Greg? Vince is my guy as well, Wilds. He is number one. He is the best Raptor of all time because he started it. He created it. He took NBA United States ball to Canada. Like, what are we talking about? Vince Sanity. It's, it's not even a question. The only reason why Kyle Lowry is even on this list is because he's one of the longest tenured Raptors and he won a championship thanks to Kawhi Leonard. So I'm not going to give you that, Kyle Lowry. Sorry. Wow. Dude. All right. Kyle, finally, Kyle on to friend job. of the show, CJ McCollum. McCollum was on his podcast putting together the five most unstoppable NBA moves, going with Iverson's crossover, Jordan's fadeaway, you got Manu's Eurostep, Kareem's skyhook, and Hakeem's dream shake. Greg, back to you. What's missing from the list? What's missing from the list? Oh, man, I'm a Pistons guy. So Isaiah Zeke, Isaiah Thomas, whatever he what? did was phenomenal. You take me to Detroit Pistons, I'll, pick, I'll run down the list. But we can go on and on about this. Nick, Wilds. <laughs> I was not expecting that. That's a little hometown bias. Uh, I'm going to probably put <laughs> something that Shaq you? did. 
No, no, yeah. from you. You're that's trying correct. to put pistons on the list. No, that's wild. I'm, I'm wild. describing. Listen, let me let me jump in here. Let me jump in here because Wilds, you're right. Go, they, go, they, go. CJ, I love him, but CJ's list is terrible. I know we only have about 45 seconds left in the show, so I'll be as quick as I can. The number one most unstoppable move ever is Kareem Skyhook. The number two most unstoppable move right. ever is Shaquille O'Neal's drop step. The drop step was absolutely go. unstoppable in his time and in any time. Number three is the dream shake, so CJ got that right. Number four, I can't believe it wasn't on there. LeBron James driving left, spinning right. No one has stopped it for the last 17 years. And the number five most unstoppable move. move ever is the James Harden step back three. It is unblockable, oh unguardable. Gosh. Sorry, MJ. Sorry, Dirk's one-footed fadeaway. Sorry, Duncan's bank shot. Those are your five best moves ever. Jenna Wolf, go ahead. We got to go. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. We'll see you Monday.